Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hello. This is Nick. I'm Liz. I'm Nick. Do you want to know I'm a bad dog, mummy? What have you done? Should we report you to the to Because the Gracie... Grace Kelly had an operation last Thursday, and today is Thursday. A week ago, Grace Kelly had an exploratory op, didn't she? She had an endoscopy. And I was just petting her this morning, and look. What? She's still got her ID collar from the operation around her neck. How have you not noticed that? So they did not operate on the wrong dog or chop the wrong paw off. How could you not have so noticed that? So she's still that? got her operation ID collar on. You are officially a bad mummy. I'm officially a bad mummy. You are are officially a bad mummy. And we had a Miranda Priestly moment this week. One of many. Well, actually, today. One of many. So I asked Nick, in a sort of Meghan Markle fashion, or Carrie Johnson fashion... (laughs) Take your pick. ...to get my hair dyed, because I've got to get (coughs) into the office tomorrow... And she calls me from Boots and says, do you want L'Oreal or Garnier Fructose? And I'm like, no. And then what happened, Nicola? Never say I haven't got a sense of humour. Now, Liz announces down the phone, well, you need to take a picture of it. You should know this. This is something you should know. She should keep it on file, shouldn't she? I've never known anyone with so many honesty. No, I think I swallowed um, Teddy's hair. So what happened in Boots? Yeah, so... Apparently, I'm supposed to know what Liz has. Her, 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 well, so you that we it before. It you time. should keep a note of it. I don't really notice. And we had another Miranda Priestly moment the other day as well. No, but you haven't talked about two for one. Oh, the oh, two for, for God's one. Sake. I forgot the two for one. I forgot two for one. Yes, we. <laughs> so I said to Liz, "You get two for twelve pounds. Should I get two so that you know you've got one one that." Oh, no, she said, I don't want that. Just get one. I don't. And I said, but it's two for £12. So no. It money. She said, no. She said, I wouldn't want it if it was buy one, get one free. I just want one. Don't and you? then the lady in Boots was horrified, wasn't she? Yeah, the cashier kept saying to me, well, it's a deal. You can get two for £12. I said, yes, I know. It's not for me. I've checked and, and the woman doesn't want to. The woman. Yeah. The woman. Yeah. Did you hear that, the woman? The woman. Who am I? To. The cat's mother. Well, she didn't know. If I said Liz, it wouldn't mean anything to her, would it? So she said, you could have you could have said Megan. Megan. Megan doesn't want two for one. Megan doesn't want the two do- for the, twelve pounds. The doppelganger, and she wouldn't even want it if it was a bog off. No. No. And then the other day I said to Liz, um, I'm going for a self defence class on Sunday. That'll be fun. <laughs> so Liz looked round at me and she said, Well, who's gonna attack you? <laughs> Because, everyone, Nicola is the scariest person you've ever come across. You've had street fights before, haven't you? No, I have. I, I, I beat up a bloke that was beating his dog. I did. And, uh, yeah, no, I've... You punched I, a farmer. I punched a farmer that kicked and killed a rat. 
Yeah. I did, yeah. So that wasn't a Miranda Priestley moment. It was just a fact <laughs> that anyone comes up to knit, they're going to think, I'm just going to leave that alone. <laughs> Let's just leave her there, shall we? <laughs> but I was quite fancying myself defence class. I'm warm and fluffy. Look at me. I'm a little fluffy. She's not. I'm a She's little fluffy not. kitten. She's not. <laughs> Unless you get me on the subject of bossy. Your dog. Yes. <laughs> Do you know what my mum said the other day? Your emotional keep, support. My animal. emotional support. Dog, I actually said to my because I said to my mum the other day, I keep falling asleep on the settee at night and waking up on the morning. I'm not going to bed. And she said, you know what I think? I said, what's that, Mum? She said, I think, boss, uh, I think boss is laid on your lap. I think Boris is on your lap and you won't get up and disturb him so you stay on the city all night. Does she honestly think I'm that stupid? Yeah. Yeah, well, apparently that's what everyone I've asked that said yes. Oh, dear. So there was a bit of a sad moment, wasn't there, since we last podded? There, what, there was. We, we sort of seem to be losing a lot of people. They seem to be dropping like flies. Well, we lost Hilary Mantel. Yeah, that was very sad. And I have to say, I loved her trilogy about Henry VIII. And as a tribute to her, over the weekend, I re-watched Wolf Hall on the BBC iPlayer. They put it back on the iPlayer. And Claire Foy, as Anne Boleyn, is absolutely amazing. She's just amazing. She's fantastic in everything, though. But no, honestly, if you haven't watched Wolf Hall, it's on the BBC iPlay. It's absolutely amazing. It is, and the books are fantastic, aren't they? But I'd love to talk to Hilary Mantel because she's such an amazing woman. And there's also an amazing documentary about her return to Wolf Hall on the BBC where she went back to her childhood home. And there's an amazing segment... Because people in medieval times did believe in ghosts and they believed in God and they believed in heaven. And the moment when Anne Boleyn is beheaded, she's still praying. And before they put the blindfold on, she kept looking up the windows to see if Henry had changed his mind. It absolutely makes me sob every time. Yeah, that was a really And I wonder if Megan's watched Wolf Hall because it would just tell her, gosh, you know, this is an amazing institution. This is the history that you're currently trying to trash, although I do like Megan in lots of ways. There's an amazing segment in Return to Wolf Hall, the documentary, where Hilary Mantel goes into the garden as a child and she sees something from another world, like a vortex or something. She absolutely sees it and it changes her life. So she believed in ghosts and... And I think that informed her writing because there are lots of, like, Thomas Wolsey visits Cromwell after he's died. And death was so common then. It was part of your everyday life, yeah. everyone dying, and people didn't live very long. And and Henry's always been portrayed as this villain who beheaded his wives and got divorced and wanted to marry someone else and everything. But if he didn't, it's a bit like Liz Truss, really. If he didn't have a male heir, there would be war. There'd be civil war. They'd be invaded. His drive to have a son was entirely about the safety of his kingdom, you know. And I think people have misrepresented him quite a lot. But this brings me to my book of the week, really, which is 60 Harvest Left by Philip Limbury. And he's the head of Compassionate World Farming, 
And I've met him very many times. And I remember when I first became editor of Marie Claire, I had a meeting with him in a hotel. And I was saying to him, why does Tony Blair not increase the sizes of cages for hens? Why are we not doing anything? Why? And he said, well, it's because of the EU. It's because of the EU. We're not allowed to. Because if we do it, we can't trade. And if we, there's cheaper chickens coming from elsewhere into Tesco and he kind of explained to me why it takes time and it takes legislation to change things. And I did feel with leaving the EU, we might have improved conditions like live export and cages and cage pigs. But it looks like Liz Truss is reneging on all of that. So if you want to be informed about farming, read 60 Harvest Left because it's just an incredible book and it couldn't be more timely really because... The government are now reneging on a lot of things that Boris, and I'm going to come to Boris in a minute, said he would do when he came into government and that Michael Gove said he would do. And sadly, Michael Gove isn't in government anymore. And so it looks like we're backtracking on all the things we said. We and were don't gonna... they every time? Where animal welfare is concerned, it's always, always on the back burner. It's, it's never a priority. And... As a moral society, surely we have to change that. Well, that was one of the things I liked about Boris and Carrie. They were up for animals. I mean, Carrie rescued a dog. She didn't yeah. buy a dog. Um, she she persuaded Boris to be more forward-thinking about animals. So it's it's weird at the moment. I'm kind of a bit nostalgic for the days when Boris was Prime Minister. But I have been watching absolutely transfixed This England on Sky. I really want to see that. Is that good? It's absolutely amazing. I don't know how amazing you'll find it if you're not obsessed with politics or you're not a journalist. But Kenneth Branagh as Boris is amazing. Absolutely I've seen amazing. All the prosthetics and stuff. Yeah. So you can still see he gets the voice. Through. The actress who plays Carrie is fantastic. And actually, because it's written by Michael Winterbottom, I thought it would be a very left wing attack. But actually, Boris comes across so sympathetically. And you actually end the sex episodes thinking. I felt quite warm towards mm. him and he actually was quite genuine and he was do, trying to do the right thing, but everyone else around him thwarted him and it deals wonderfully with Dominic going to Barna Castle and his wife Mary and the villagers seeing him walking and telling the Guardian and telling the Mirror and I love yeah. seeing Pippa from the Mirror portrayed by an actress on screen because I've always wanted Kira Knightley to play me. Why Kira Knightley? Well, the, 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 but she doesn't uh, look like you. Because I just, I just <laughs> love Kira Knightley. I just love her. I love her. I love her. I we don't, we love all Kira want to Knightley. be more Kira. We do. Yeah. We do. So I love that. And journalists are always portrayed in the same way. And I remember in State of Play where they had James McAvoy as a journalist, they've always sort of got a notebook and they're always a bit grubby and they're always quite tough. Whereas a lot of journalists aren't like that and they always portray newsrooms as these sort of buzzy places with people shouting and stuff. But I just loved This England, which is obviously from Henry V. And I came away thinking bring Boris back 
because he was the bit where he's ill in hospital with COVID is heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And what's clever about the series is it intersperses documentary film, people clapping the NHS, and then it has stories about people who lost loved ones and it talks about the care home crisis. But if you want to watch something amazing, watch This England. It's absolutely amazing and it brings it all back and it does show what chaos there was in Downing Street but you do have quite a lot of sympathy for them. I think what's interesting as well we're getting so much of of these dramas and stuff that are are so current like you know uh, it is history with Boris and everything but it's also very recent we've all lived through it. Yeah people think this is a little bit too current actually they think they should have left it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I know there's there's a, a new thing out with um, the Johnny Depp and and and, and her trial um, called Hot Take, the Depp Heard trial, which is actually out tomorrow, and unfortunately, it's not available in the UK. It's on something called Tubi or Now TV, um, available in the US, but we can get round it with a VPN number for anyone that wants to. We can get a VPN address. But you know, John is now dating his lawyer. Is is it? Yeah. He's not waiting for me. No. He's not queued up with, with Tom Cruise. Him and Tom, that ship of sailed. Bastards. Bastards. Teddy's Block emptying my handbag. Teddy's obsessed with my things in my handbag. Oh, he's got an envelope. So, yeah, I, so I want to watch that. So I'm going to go off tonight, join VPN Express, get a VPN thing so I can watch that tomorrow. But, I mean, that was only four months ago. They seem to be knocking out this stuff don't they like that's that's really recent it's because you can read news instantly on twitter and you can watch rolling news it's like we have an insatiable appetite isn't it now yeah to know mine's quite associated with it all i'll be honest with you i'd I'd sort of had enough of it or once all the the politics have finished and with trusts and rishi sunak and stuff i'd had enough i really did have enough well, I had a drink with Rishi Sunik in a hotel in Richmond and he is such a decent, intelligent, very handsome. I'm surprised you didn't say that first in his list of attributes. He had a lovely sweater on with a lovely round neck with a shirt underneath. He bought the drinks, he offered me cake. No, I'm... I'm, I'm and Rishi Sunak then offered... No. To, to send me an itinerary where I drove round America staying with all his friends. And I said, well, I can't really leave the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I wrote to his office about something to do with animal testing. He's a bit busy now. And though. he, no, this was before he was busy. And he was still Chancellor at the point. And I, he, because he's a local MP, and um, asking him to vote against animal testing. And he refused saying, his office wrote back saying that they thought that animal testing was valid where necessary. And he bought a dog he didn't rescue. So I am anti-Rishi Sunak every step of the way. He's Doesn't matter how handsome. handsome Doesn't matter how handsome he is. You have to look above and beyond handsome. <laughs> he, above and beyond, Liz. Stop following your ovaries. I've also been watching the Philip Green Topshop documentary on BBC Two, which the first episode was mainly about how wonderful Jane Stevenson was, or whatever her name is, was that her name? Who was the designer and all the women who created all the wonderful Topshop clothes, and they just got to the bit where they hired top 
Kate Moss. So they haven't got all t- into all the terrible stuff yet. I don't remember wonderful Topshop clothes. No, they did do some lovely things. Really? Yeah. There, really? there was a time when it was hot. Really? Yeah. Better okay. than next. Really? Yeah. No. Nicola is no. devoted to next. I'm devoted. Devoted. There was a christening in the field down here, and all the girls had pulled their next tabs out, and lots of them said, "Not, not hard to stain. Well, who stains their clothes? Well, apart from me. <laughs> Is that why you like that? Stain proof is very important when you've got dogs and cats and Martin. Very important. So this takes us to my archive from 2018. And it came out, I remember I had to pull off the motorway and write it, when Philip Green was outed for being the businessman who shouted at all his employees. He was named. Oh, the drama. You're on the motorway. Yes. You've got an emergency Philip yes. Green situation Think and you're pull off. scene with Kira Knightley driving my clapped <laughs> out old car with no seatbelts, oh, Kira, dear. pulling over. But she'd do it beautifully, wouldn't she? And she would have written this. She did it beautifully, though. So she would do did it you know Philip Green? Can you write about a Philip Green? Yes, I'm doing it now. I'm on it. He took the coat back. He gave me a coat. I upset him and he took the coat back. So from 2018, this is my archive... When Philip Green was outed in Parliament as being the businessman behind an injunction to quash a story about an alleged sexual and racist bullying, I have to confess I felt a certain sense of schadenfreude. That's being thrilled when someone has a misfortune. (laughs) Oh, I know. It's part of my everyday life. (laughs) Everyone's thrilled when I have misfortune. He made... My life, while I was a fashion editor, a misery for 13 years. I was eventually barred from his prestigious Topshop unique catwalk show, made to peer through railings from the outside because I dared to challenge him. I would see endless photos of him standing next to every powerful woman in the fashion industry, a huge grin on that mahogany face, and wonder, why can they not see it? Why are they not just remaining silent? Why are they in bed with a brute? For whatever the truth about the allegations of sexual harassment and racism, both of which he then denied, there was never any shadow of a doubt he was a bully. And not a skinny finger was lifted by anyone in the industry because he's not just a shopkeeper. For years, he virtually ran British fashion. He injected huge sums of money into supporting emerging British designers. He sponsored a glitzy venue every season at London Fashion Week laying on a free buffet and bar. It was the only time anyone got fed. His umbrella brand, Arcadia, has an annual advertising spend in the UK fashion press in the tens of millions. So the British fashion industry's deafening silence has been shocking but entirely predictable. As one glossy magazine editor tells me, we all feed from the same trough. On Friday... A former Topshop buyer, whom I first met in Bangladesh at a garment factory after she'd left his brand, called me to say she'd read an article in the Telegraph by a socialite who said she was fond by Green at a party while he chatted to her boyfriend. He'd put his hand up the back of her skirt, apparently getting a kick from both her and her boyfriend. Why did no one challenge him sooner, the buyer asked me. Who's to say a hand cupping a buttock? It's worse than being shouted at while you're on the phone to a supplier in the Far East, yelling that you must make them drop their prices. It got to the point 
It got to the point I felt sick every Sunday night at the prospect of going to work. I had to leave. I think bullying can be worse than sexual stuff. It felt like hatred. He will stamp on you as though you were a snail. Philip Green has bullied me since I conducted my first interview with him for the London Evening Standard in November 2005. I met him in his boardroom at Arcadia HQ on Berners Street with its view of the London Eye before his chauffeur and bodyguard, Kevin, drove us to the Royal Academy where his brands, Topshop, Evans, Miss Selfridge, Dorothy Perkins, Burton, were showing their wares to the press. In the limousine, he chain-smoked Philip Morris. I have to have one pleasure in life, he said, and slagged off every other designer store we passed in, in the limo. Stella McCartney never made two bob. When I asked about his employees, his reputation as a Rottweiler, he told me, I give a straight yes or no, they are empowered. He introduced me to his wife, Tina, who owns 92% of Arcadia shares, and 14-year-old daughter Chloe. When I wrote, later wrote in the newspaper that Chloe was wearing mutlock boots, which are made of rabbit fur, Ugh. something banned in his stores, he complained to my editor. She's, she was a soignee woman who that morning had no need of a blow-dry. Because he was a hairdryer, you see. Shh, uh, yelling. Uh, you know, like the guy at Man yeah, United. Yeah. But he could be loyal. After Kate Moss was pictured snorting cocaine, Green sent out a clear message of support by seating her next to him at the Topshop Unique Catwalk show in September 2006. It was in Holland Park. Oh, it was amazing. She had beautiful waxen hair, wide leg denim trousers, a leather belt. I mean, up close, she is absolutely beautiful. She's so beautiful. I got home to my beautiful house after the show at Holland Park and he called me on my mobile. It was to confirm he'd hired her to design a collection. But what if she takes cocaine again, I asked him. What message does that send out to young female customers? At the launch of Moss's first collection for Topshop in May 2007, I wrote in the Daily Mail where I'd become fashion editor, that he worked his way along the queue of young girls snaking along New Oxford Street to check they knew their pin so he could buy his products. He called me up, swearing, and told me I was anti-Semitic. No, I said, these girls in the queue don't have much money. You were grooming them. That was quite brave, wasn't it? Yeah, it was quite brave. Yeah, because he is really scary. Isn't it, like... <sighs> When you sort of challenge someone, what they come back with, you're anti-Semitic, you're this, you're that, just accept that actually what you're doing is wrong. I'm not anti-Semitic. No, of course you're not. My best friend, Sue Needleman, I've had since I was 18, she, she's Jewish. I love her more than life itself. No, what, it's what you're anti is anti-tosser. Yeah. Over the years, I refused to fawn over him. You can't find a picture of me online next to him, smiling no. and hugging him. No, no, there isn't one. Oh, no, much special. Cool. His mood swung between extremes. After I wrote a rave review of one collection, he sent me a gorgeous olive greatcoat, still warm from the model who'd worn it on the catwalk. A little bit later, after I gave him a bad review, his right-hand woman called me up. He wants his coat back. Just pathetic. The last time I spoke to Philip Green was at an Evans show in the autumn of 2014. 
He sat me front row of this plus size show. Now that's a laugh. In Oliver Shaw's biography, Green is reported to have told a female buyer, you're absolutely effing useless. I should throw you out the window, but you're so fat you probably bounce back in again. Said the sex god. Yeah, he's a sex god, isn't god he? And he owned Evans, which is a plus size brand. What a revolting human being. As for years, I'd been at the vanguard of a campaign to give big women the fashion they deserve. After the show, he asked me if we could pose together for the paparazzi. I said no. Unlike every other female glossy editor in the land, I felt to do so would betray my readers. I couldn't bring myself to stand next to him, gurning. Everyone in fashion knew he was a tyrant, but it's unreasonable to expect teenage models and junior employees to stand up to him. You might wonder why anyone would sign a gagging order, but this was a seriously powerful man. So it was the responsibility of the senior executives, editors, publishing directors, model agents, to be on the side of the women who toil in low-paid jobs in stores and factories and lap up glossy fashion magazines. I can't help but remember the image at his show inside the old Eurostar terminal in Waterloo of American Vogue editor Anna Wintour looking like the cat who got the zero-fat cream because Green had arranged for her own personal escalator on which to glide in and glide out. Oh, for I want my own escalator. Sake. I want an escalator. Walk. She had her own escalator. Walk. What's wrong with walking? Yeah, but it was upstairs. You can go upstairs. Feet goes one in front of the other. I can't help but think back to the meetings of magazine editors and London Fashion Week bigwigs in the boardroom of Vogue House, where not one woman had the courage to say, what can we do about Philip Green? Or later, as the BHS scandal erupted and the pension hole gaped, why even then did not one of them take him to task? My guess? They were too busy counting his advertising spend, nursing their 40% Topshop discount card. He took that back as well. I used to get 40% off at Topshop. And Prada. And why still got that? Even today, when I asked Caroline Rush, CBE, Chief Executive at the British Fashion Council, who will have had more dealings with Green than most if she ever took him to task, I'm told her PA, I'm told her PA is away on honeymoon. I emailed the British Fashion Council press office and asked them to call her on her mobile. How bad is this new scandal for British fashion, I asked them. Will he show Topshop next season? She doesn't ring back. It's her job to reply. This is what she's paid to do. Well, how about Baroness Karen Brady, CBE? Don't you just love all these titles? I think she's got a new one now. Who's been vocal about fighting sexism in business and has been chair of Arcadia's parent company, Tabata, for eight years. I asked if she knew of allegations that Green gave female staff lingering hugs and asked if they wanted their bottoms slapped or indeed had paid substantial sums to settle complaints. Only her PA got back to me. Karen is away until next week. They're all away, these people, aren't they? They're all away. They're all away on honeymoon. I'm on honeymoon. I'm away. But this is important, I said to her. She's got a phone, hasn't she? I visit her glorious villa next to Harrods. I actually go and doorstep her. I didn't even take any flowers. (laughs) I just turned up. No one answers the door. How about Naomi Campbell, who publicly attacked 
former Vogue editor Alexandra Shulman, for having too many white staff. Did Naomi ever find Philip Green racist? No reply. How about Kate Moss? Would she like to offer her support to him, given he'd been so loyal to her? She was... This is great. I'm going to start saying this, actually, Nick. Kate Moss can't come to the phone because she's about to get on a plane. Can't use that excuse anymore now. now you've oh, no, got I'm going to use signal. it. Now you've if got... you say, no. Liz, can you do the horses this weekend? I'm going to say, I'm about to get on a plane, Nicola. Can't wash with it now. Mobile's I'm about to on get a... on a plane. No, mobile's work now. Can't get away with it. This is this is an excuse. How about, story. and we've talked about him before on this podcast, Edward Enninful, OBE. Now, super diverse with a super diverse broom, editor of UK Vogue, editorial director of Vogue everywhere in the world apart from America. No response. Come on then, Natalie Massonet. This is a really good piece, isn't it? It's no really? driver award winning. Award winning. Come on then, Natalie Massonet. Net-a-Porte founder, one-time chair of the British Fashion Council. She can't be scared of anyone. She's a dame. I get an email. Natalie is going to reach out to you. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting now, several years later. She couldn't reach that far. It was too far. Isn't it telling that the only powerful person in British fashion I can find who is willing to speak about Green is a man, although he doesn't want me to use his name? No longer employed by Topshop, he tells me he's outrageous. This is all typical of him. Doing it in the first place is unacceptable. Covering it up is ridiculous. Is Green a predator, a racist? The real issue is this, he told me. He will never be aware that he's done anything wrong. He just doesn't get it. He will never change. Is that why he left Green's company? I left because I didn't like the way he treated people. My mum told me we're all equal and that we should treat everyone with respect. He didn't treat anyone with respect. So at the end of this piece that was in print, but it's been cut online, I quoted the daughter of someone who used to work for Green and she had tweeted about how scared of him she was and how she used to go away and hide and how awful he was to the dad and everything, which was great. So I, I printed her tweet. Once you've done a tweet, it's out there, it's in the public yeah. domain. I printed her name, I printed her dad's name. Sunday morning, her dad phoned me. And was shouting at me and bullying me and how dare you print my daughter's tweet. You've got to take the piece down. I'm going to take you to court. I'm going to sue you. So I had to phone the features editor and say, Nick, can you take off the last quote? I don't want to upset anyone. I don't want to get the daughter in trouble. She shouldn't have tweeted it, obviously. But let's respect her and take take, take, take that down, which we did. But look at the irony. I'm writing a piece about a man who bullies women. And a man phones me up and bullies me. Yeah. And actually, he was sticking up for his daughter. Yeah. yeah. Sticking up for and him. Sticking up for models. Yeah. And not just sticking up for models, sticking up for factory workers in the Bangladesh and Morocco and India and Pakistan. Sticking up for girls who, who used to go to Topshop. Obviously, it's not there anymore. And spend their last 10 quid. That's who I'm sticking up for. <laughs> You can read this week's diary in full on Mail on Sunday's You magazine. In which I'm torn between two men. Oh, God help us. 
Torn. <laughs> oh, God. I don't really see what there is to be torn by, but crack on. Oh, dear. Yeah, that's my words, yeah. Crack on. As I write this, I have only two weeks before the rock star finds out I spent the night in Soho House. We've got a lot to say about Soho House next we week. Have. With White Pepper Guy. I say spent the night, as what we did in bed only qualifies of sex if you're American live in the White House. Oh. I think it was the Iris's bad, disloyal behaviour at the funeral and what transpired later that made me nostalgic for White Pepper Guy. I've been clutching at straws, wanting to bask in the adoration of someone who says often he loves me. I soon regretted meeting up with White Pepper Guy. People are right. You should never, ever go back. In our lovely room, not a single comment to say it was nice. When I showed him my brown arms and feet, he said, is that real? He turned the television on. He put a wet towel on the sofa. He couldn't sleep and he kept moving his arms. I hate it when men move their arms. Don't move your arms. Wet towels on the sofa. That'll do me. This is all your own fault. He told me my hearing aids are annoying, all the while his teeth were on the side table. And you had sex with this person? I don't know if he took them out before or after. I didn't quite see. It was a blur. Over breakfast, he was rude to the waiter. He was a misery guts. He said I lied. Not just about him saying he was in the SAS. Every man I've ever been out with claimed they only just missed out on being either a professional footballer or an assassin. But about him using his bread as a flannel at the Limewood Hotel in the New Forest. I wasn't using it as a flannel, he said. I was sniffing it. Why would anyone sniff? Why? Why? This is what I risked, Who sniffs artisan bread? Any bread. In a five-star hotel. Five stars! I'm sorry, I'm not going to sniff Tesco's finest. Five stars, well, I would. Where Angela Hartnett made it with her own hands. I bet she didn't. Then he said, why did you say you'd bought your cottage when you're only renting it? Note the word only. And I knew you'd bring that up, despite having amnesia about everything else. Because, I said, I knew you would criticise me. Unlike you, I don't wait for the council to change a light bulb. No, you get me to do it. Yeah, but you don't even do it. (laughs) You're highly paid. Right, you tried to get me to do it then. Yeah, but you're highly paid. Do you have the right screwdriver? When he flounced out of Soho House, I realised how stupid I had been to even contemplate seeing him. His emails and texts and cards are always so respectful, loving. But the reality? I think men on their own forget how to behave when they are with a woman. The reality never matches up to the anticipation. They should make us laugh rather than moan about the toast not being buttered. I've been excited to be viewing two flats in London later, but he put me off. Liverpool Road, he said, isn't it busy and noisy and no outside space? I checked out of Soho House. Dinner and drinks on him cost £146. I sound like Mrs Richards, don't I, in 40 Towers. He had three courses. Who has three courses? Who has three courses? Well, apart from I was going to say, I'm quite partial to three courses. Nothing wrong with that. 
he complained the tiramisu used cream, not the more authentic mascarpone. Listen, mate, if you ain't paying the bill, shut up. <laughs> I felt like crying. This has not gone well, has it? I felt like crying. I didn't tell you what happened a couple of weeks ago when the RS turned up at my cottage when I was already in bed and had taken my makeup off. He likes you for your natural beauty. If I do tell you what happened, perhaps this will explain my actions a little more when he arrived late. Part of me was thinking, well, he just wants to use my bathroom on his way to Scotland. And more hopeful, perhaps he regretted not sticking up for me in front of his friends when I'd driven all that way for a funeral of someone I've never met. He kept wandering around the cottage. He kept wandering around the cottage, four collies following him expectantly. Teddy does love to shove his head between your thighs, so you end up riding him like a horse. He opened the fridge. Why do men open your fridge? Don't. Just don't. Don't. But that's, waste the but that's what fridges are for. You no, I, to get don't, I only open them twi- once a day, oh, twice. <laughs> Not got any tanqueray, he said. No, I said. Milk? I've got oat milk. Fucking vegans, he said. That's just offensive. Why is there never any food in your house? I don't approve of people swearing in front of my collies. I wasn't expecting guests... Are you going to apologise for being rude? Yes, well, I should never have invited you. I said I was tired, having driven all day, and that I was going to bed. OK, he said. I'm going to go and get some milk. Honestly, women in calories. Calories? In it. Oh. Me, it's not about calories. It's about cows. And this isn't London. The garage is shut. I was going to say, good luck with going and getting some milk yeah. at that time of night. I'll go to Tesco. And with that, he left. I went back to watching Monty Don on my iPad in bed. And do you know what? He never came back. So he couldn't get any milk. He had to go back to London to get milk. I think he went to Scotland. (laughs) It was like when I was first in London and I was on, on Tottenham Court Road, I think I'd been to window shopping Habitat, and this man... I think they do flat pack, you know. Habitat. No, they don't. I think they do, no. though. I think they do, though. This man asked me for a drink, so we went to a pub. I was just a student. I was about 20. We went to a pub. He said, what do I want to drink? I said, a tab. And he went up to the bar, and he never came back. I don't know why people do that. It's just me. Well, why did they do that to me? Still. Just be grateful. Be I'm grateful. funny, award-winning. But he didn't come back and open your fridge again, did he? he didn't he? Didn't no, I don't agree. Push with the collies out the way. That's what got me about my husband. He would always just open the fridge, using the bottom of his t-shirt because I didn't allow bare hands. So he'd open the fridge using the bottom of his t-shirt, and then he'd just stare in it. I'm like, stop opening the fridge, stop it. <laughs> Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. 
we've only got time for two more items. <laughs> right, okay. Come on. Okay, we have we have one letter this week. Stephanie. Stephanie, who's, Stephanie. Who has suggested, how about a new book or screenplay? Oh, Lizzie's Adventures in White Pepperland. I I'm think sure we've already done brilliant. that. I don't think I can cope with more adventures in White Pepperland. No. I think you need to go back to ground black pepper. Who uses white pepper? Apart white, from Nigella White Lawson. pepper man. <laughs> That's so. My mum likes white pepper, actually. And when I was a kid, well, I liked white pepper and well. tomato soup. There is a place for white pepper. Now. Oh, dear God. Do you know what? We're coming no. back to him. Dear God. There is a new... A half documentary oh, called dear. Far North, and right. I've pre-ordered it on iTunes. When's it on? Well, I pre-ordered it. For, yeah, but for when? Oh no! I think she's gonna sing. She's dancing. I think she's gonna sing. If you've got any sense, turn off now. Turn off now. Hey. Oh, oh <laughs> God, he's then going to do a solo. <laughs> Run while you've still got time. Getting away. I don't know what I'm saying. I'll say it anyway. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday. But for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.